Welcome back to the Upper Tier Podcast, the football podcast we bring you each and every day on the Dynamo Podcast Network. Head over to YouTube, smash that subscribe and bell notification button. Audioverse show are available through Spotify, Podbean, iTunes, wherever you pick up Audioverse show, you will find us there. This is the Monday Mashup. Joining me tonight, as always, the leader of the network, Ian the Dynamo Kelly. How are we doing, Ian? I am very, very well. Thank you, sir. Well, good now, the main man yeah. of the podcast network is yourself. So, <laughs> Also joining me, my partner on the football podcast these days for the previews, the reviews, ratings, beat the bookie, his new favourite thing. On that show, he's known as Dazzler. And everything in between. in between. On that show, he's known as the Dazzler, but on this show, he's simply Darren. How are we, Darren? I'm all good, gentlemen. How are we this evening? Not too bad. Good at to all. see you, Del Boy. Um, certainly an interesting weekend of fixtures, to say the least. Um, if Gay Bourne was still alive, this would definitely be the late, late show. I stole that off, Darren. Darren gave me that off air before we started. Um, let's get into the, the results from the weekend, first of all. Let's kick it off. The lunchtime one on Saturday, of course, was uh, West Ham versus Chelsea. Finished 3 2. Um, Newcastle won, Burnley nil. Southampton won, Brighton won. Late goal by Mopay again. Wolves nil, Liverpool won, last gas from Origi. Watford won, Man City three. Then into Sunday, Leeds two, Brentford two. That man Bamford last minute again as well. Man United won, Crystal Palace nil. That man Fred, the Brazilian that now United fan wants in the team at times. Tottenham three, Norwich nil. Aston Villa 2, Leicester 1, Stevie G continuing his good form. And we rounded out the weekend with Everton 2, Arsenal 1. Gents, where do we begin? Let's begin in Chelsea. Well, that's why I'm here. I said I'd show up, you know what I mean? It's, uh, I felt it was my civic duty to show up because uh, I can't be calling people out for not showing up if I don't. Um, you boys know how I felt about it. In fairness, I was texting you during the match. I think I was pretty honest about it too. Um, I think you'll both agree with that. Just, I don't... Look, uh, the West Ham effect, I mean, it was, it was a bit of a mad game, actually. For a 12, for, a, for an early kickoff, it was a bit of a mad game. Um, I think the winning goal proves that. Um, I think Darren and Ted put the fucking the voodoo on, uh, on Edward Mendy. It's the like, like, you motherfuckers, <laughs> and then, and then like all oh, the good karma went to Fred. It's like what's happening happen here? <laughs> what's going on? Um, look, it was one of those games we were in control. Like we really did control a lot of the game. Watched it from the start. I watched it again afterwards just to try and because I obviously I'm going to do a uh, Chelsea roar on it as well, and just kind of I'm going to do a double looking back at the last two games, and so I watched it again just to kind of. See what it was. I mean, Andreas Christensen, I'm going to point out now, go and sign that pre-contract with whoever you want to. Um, I think, you know, Tuchel gave him a little bit of tough love there and said, well, if you if you love the club, would, you know, karma is a, a funny sort of thing because the stock would have risen, or sorry, would have lowered after a performance like that. I thought he was absolutely shocking. Um, I think the boy Chalaba has put the put the put the heebie-jeebies up him. To be honest with you, um, 
and shown that he's actually a better player now at this moment on form anyway. Um, Thiago, can't really say anything wrong about Thiago, to be honest with you. Um, Rudiger, without a shadow, without missing Chilwell at left back. Um, who wouldn't when you've got Marcus Alonso at left back? Um, Reese James looked like he was a little lethargic, a little bit slow, a little bit off a pace, um, had that little bit of an injury, so it's fair enough. And his form has been that good that he's, he's you know, he can get a pass on it. Um, thought the boy off his cheek was the only player in midfield, really, um, that, that kind of stepped up. He was the only player willing to run and, and kind of bring the game forward. And then Ziyech, you never know what you're going to get with Ziyech. He's just... He looks like the laziest bastard, doesn't he, when he's walking around the pitch and doesn't even apologise if he hits a bad ball. Something unlikable about him. Can't put my finger on it. Just kind of over him. Pulisic needs to step up big time. Um, really, really needs to step up. Koi Havertz was playing really well before he got injured. Um, great tackle by uh, Kurt Zuma, but obviously he got injured um, and, and then went off later in the game. So I hope Coy uh, Havertz's injury isn't too bad. But and then Lukaku when he came on basically validified everything that Darren said about his no touch. He's gone back to the Mister No Touch Lukaku. Had forty five minutes, done absolutely nothing. Um, out on the wings, I think the game was crying for a team over and just for the wing side of it rather than the finishing side. You know what I mean by that, Darren? In terms of how he drags defenders away and stuff like that. Uh, Tuchel just kind of got his subs wrong and all that day. Like I said, it wasn't like we were hammered by the hammers, no pun intended, but it was um, a very, very strange game. And Mendy probably had the most shocking game that he's had at Chelsea, and that's two in a row. Um, so, yeah, that's that's my thoughts. Yeah, I kind of I feel their pain because I know exactly about goalkeepers at the City of London Stadium. We were there a few weeks ago ourselves, <laughs> and we didn't we didn't crown ourselves in glory either with Allison, you know. But I think, you know, albeit the way the winner happened with Mendy and stuff like that, we do have to give a bit of credit to West Ham. They were physical, they were strong, they were well organized, and I think Moyes is doing a fabulous job there. And I loved his post match interview yeah. where he turned around and he said. He really considers himself as being one of those teams in the mix for a top four spot. And it's nice to see that he's shown that ambition in terms of that's his thinking um, and his mentality. And they're certainly playing with that in mind as well. Um, albeit with Chelsea, I think... I also liked his honesty as well about the game. I also liked his honesty about the game because he did say, he goes, Chelsea could have hammered us like beforehand. You know what I mean? He's really yeah. honest. He's yeah. not one of those managers that kind of gives it the big one after the game. Like, he yeah. was really honest about it. He goes, this could have went either way. We could have lost, like, by a couple of goals yeah. or it could have went the way that it did and it went their way today. And I just thought it was, yeah, I, I really like Moisey, I have to say. Yeah, and I, I suppose after the, the previous two games, it was no harm for one to actually go his way because he had been unlucky in a couple of games as well. But I think as well, looking at Chelsea's injury list at the moment, it's, it's, a, it's a who's who of injury list when you look at it as well. You know what I mean? And for... For Chelsea to be still producing at that level, albeit, you know, a goalkeeper howler cost you even a share of the spoils. I think to have that kind of injury list, most teams would be on their rear end, really, when you think about it. Um, Darren, thoughts? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I suppose, on the, uh, I know Ian mentioned about Chilwell. I actually don't think Reese James is fit either. 
And I think if Chilwell no. was in the team, I think you'd see James step out. But I think it's the fact that, that Chile is already out that Reese James is saying, yeah, listen, I'm going to have to kind of front up and deal with this. He looks like a guy playing with an injury. You know, we've seen him so far this season. Been the best work in the league comfortably. There's no argument there. Um, and, you know, he he does look like he's, he's maybe not playing a full capacity, which will tell you, you know, he's got something going on there. West Ham, you know, always a tough place to go. Um, you know, as Liverpool found out a couple of weeks ago, United, listen, we just about got out of there. Um, it was the late, late show with Jesse Lingard and stuff like that, you know. So that's going to be a tough place to go for a lot of teams this season. The City still has to go there, I think, um, you know, and, uh, and, and Spurs and stuff like that because anyone that's above us at the minute, we're looking about where they can drop points, you know. Um, so, yeah. West Ham will do well there all season. Moyes has them. The fans have brought Upton Park with them, haven't they? Almost. Yeah, they have, and it was a big worry. You know, when they got there initially, because obviously the you know it's so so different than Upton Park, like the distance between the pitch and the and the stand and stuff like that. But they've created a serious atmosphere there. They yeah. really have. Yeah. Um, they pack it out week on week, mm. um, and you know, like when you're playing good football and you've got good players at your club, it energizes your fans like that. You know. Um, and I think there's a big buy-in for the West Ham fans there with Moyes. I think for a while they were kind of looking, wondering which way are we going. And I know at times there's a little bit of, um, they look at the the chairman and stuff like that and the board, and they're not sure whether they're backing them, you know, to the absolute hilt or not. Um, but I think, you know, they've they've done well here to get Moyes in. and you know, they're, they're, they're backing them as much as they can, I feel. I feel like for West Ham, the next stage would be obviously this Czech billionaire that's involved to for him to kind of take the reins. And say to the two boys, listen, there's your divio. Take a seat backstage and and uh, yeah. and I'm gonna run the show from now on. You know what I mean? And that could really put West Ham to the forefront of that that race for top four, you know. Um no no you reason why that, Aaron. I just I, I agree. And even though I'm a even though I'm a Chelsea man and it's a London thing, and it's not often you'll hear it, I they are my the out of all the London clubs, they're kind of my Second favorite one, if I can say that, just in terms of guilty pleasure. I like, yeah, I like them as a club. I like how they operate. I like their fans. I know, even though there's always atmosphere when Chelsea play West Ham, but it's that kind of nice rivalry where you know there's not killings. But there's something about West Ham. I like how they go about their business. It's kind of like Villa. They they are that kind of club. You know what I mean? Their 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 fans. It means something to them. You know, like most clubs. In fairness, I get that. You know, any 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 kind of club and. And their fans can say that about their team. But yeah, I, I, I like how West Ham are going about their business. And I definitely think they could be uh, the proverbial sleeping giant, if you will. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. They um, also, more they so also, more so than Newcastle. So. Yeah, well, they also they also have a, a rich vein of history and a legacy. So it's um, yeah, it, it's yeah. important. You yeah. know, they right. are a team that you could see coming back and rising up again and stuff like that. And you know, I suppose not at the not at the, the expense of any of our teams, I suppose, but to see them in a top four, I mean it would be it would be fantastic to see that top four being shook up a bit, really. You know what I mean? So it's already being shook up as it is. Like, and, yeah, and listen, and listen, Moise, Moise was able to do with an ever who are way off that came in from Preston, you know. And um, he was able to put Everton into a top four spot. There's no saying he can't do the same at West Ham. Absolutely not. Yeah. Definitely not. Absolutely. Darren, United won. Palace nil. Yeah. Fred, your boy Fred. 
my boy Fred, and when you were saying that earlier on that most United fans don't want them on the team, listen, I fought long and hard to have my my five minutes of fame with this one. Um, I think he's been so instrumental in the last three or four games for us. Um, obviously, when Carrick took over, um, and then and then Ralph, you know, on Sunday and stuff like that, I think you can see they've taken him out of that defensive midfield position, and they've told him go and press, go and press higher, go and nick the ball, get the ball to people. You know, uh, in the last three games, he's he's made two mistakes. Uh, one, he, he stood on David De Gea, and two, he failed to chip the six foot four Mendy. Uh, but other than that, he's been unbelievable for us, you know. Um, really, really has. And I think he looks much more comfortable up at that higher end of the pitch. I spoke about it before. I told you all. I said, that's listen. That's where you signed him. That's where you signed him. He, he, he played He played as a number 10 for Shakhtar. He did. And he was yeah. scoring free kicks and he was, you know, creating assists and goals and stuff in, in Russia and in the Champions League and uh, or in the Ukraine and in the, in the Champions League. But he... Um, we played him as a defensive midfielder and he looked like a fish out of water. But he started to he started to turn the tide. I think there's a lot of United fans over the last couple of weeks have gone, all right, maybe we got this one wrong. You know? Um, so the thing for me, the win was obviously, you know, it was great to get the win. But man, did it feel good to have a clean sheet. You know, it's been so, so long coming at Old Trafford. Um I, I, you know, you're, you're kind of you're looking at the game. You're thinking, don't concede, don't concede, don't concede, and then all of a sudden you're thinking, all right, we, you know, we we might actually have this in hand here. And I and I looked at the Gary Neville put some stats up before Monday Night Football, and just the stats were phenomenal. The the average stats in the first fourteen games of the season versus what happened on Sunday, you know, and for and for Ranić to do that with one training session, which was Saturday, day before a game, you know, basically you're doing tactics because there's not going to be any any physical contact really the day before a game, you know? Mm. And uh, he was obviously able to get a, a message across there um, to the lads, you know, which was, it was brilliant. I'm, I'm really, uh, I'm really looking forward to, you know, the next few weeks and seeing what this team can do now with, with some, some leadership. Yeah, he's, he's come in for a great run of games as well, hasn't he? Like, you have a lot of games there at the moment where, in general, you should be picking up points. And that really. was something we met again. That was something we mentioned a while ago. You know, wasn't dropping a manager in there to face Chelsea and Arsenal and maybe taking two defeats and all of a sudden be on the back foot straight away again. You know, they let Fine. Carrick they let Carrick sit on it. You know, got them through. We got four points out of the out of the Arsenal and the, and the Chelsea games, got the win in the Champions League, and then was able to hand it over to Ralph and say, listen take the reins there, off you go, you know. Um, so as much as fans crib the moan about it, mm. we can look at it now and go, you know what, we've actually given this guy a really good opportunity to yeah. go on a five, six game unbeaten one in the league and really put us back into some sort of position for that fourth place, you and know. Con- and confidence, the, confidence is key. Building confidence, you know. At the minute, listen, the three, you know, Liverpool, Arsenal and Chelsea are miles ahead of everybody else. For me as a United fan right now, we have to make sure we get that top four spot, solidify it, and then close the gap as much as we can on the tree above us, which which will breed a little bit of confidence going into next season. And again, with a couple of additions and, and either a new manager or if Ralph gets another run in it and you go from there. That's all we can hope for right now, you know? Yeah, one, one of the points you made to me on Saturday, which, which I thought, or yesterday, which I thought was a very interesting point was... um. 
the fact that the team and the selection and the, the play from the beginning was very like the three games that Carrick had. And it kind of confirmed um, the fact that like Ragnick had been very involved in the previous three games as well by the looks of things. Yeah, yeah, it was. Listen, he named an unchanged side from the team that beat Arsenal, um, and okay, he, the, the formation changed slightly. Maybe he didn't feel like you know um, he could he could say to Carrick, "Listen, this is what I want you to go out and get him to do." You know, we we, we played the four two two two, and you know, and it was it was different, but it was noticeably different, and it was different in a good way, you know. Uh, and the space recreated out wide for the fullbacks. You know, I don't think I've seen a game where United you know, fullbacks got as high and got as many, albeit poor final deliveries, but got as many final deliveries in there over the last couple of years. You know, um, it was brilliant, it really, really was. Um, but yeah, it just it kind of rubbed our stamp, but we already talked, didn't it? That, that Ralph had maybe had his hand in the pie a little bit earlier than he was supposed to. <laughs> yeah, I would have thought so looking at it anyway, that's for sure. Um, Quick word on Gerard at Villa. Um, I think he's doing a really, really good job there. Um, he started of course off you do, really, really well. I was waiting for this. No, but what I was <laughs> what I was liking about it, um, his post-match interview when he was asked about the trip to Anfield on the 11th of December, and he, he was asked potentially about the conflict of interest, and he turned around and he says, no, there'll be no conflict of interest. He says, I'm going to Anfield to try and win a game and get three points because I believe where Aston Villa should be as a club. And I, I, lo- I like that comment as well and the way it was reared up. But certainly it'll be uh, the 11th of December next Saturday. It'll be certainly an, an interesting one with him standing in the dugout. Of the well, I hope he doesn't slip on this one. That's all I'm going to say. Well, he can slip all he wants because he ain't on the pitch. <laughs> um, so it won't make a difference. I, know. That's um, what, I hope he doesn't slip. because we, I want we, might get a, we might get a giggle out of a slip, but it won't affect the result this time. No. Um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. he's, he's doing he's doing a very very good job I must say yeah. he really is mm. he's perfect he was perfect to go in there wasn't he I mean he, he he's done it in the right way he's done it in the way that I think Frank Lampard should have done it and, and stayed probably at a lower level you know what I mean Um, even going to Rangers I know like Lampard was tipped even in the summer for the the uh, the Celtic job which I thought would have been a perfect, you know, thing for him to do. I've mentioned it on this show. It would have been, it would have brought a bit of box office to that league just because there's nothing else going on in the league, let's be fair, lads. Um, but it would have brought a bit of box office to it. Um, I think Gerard has really done it the right way. He's went in, he's learned his craft, you know, in a league that isn't necessarily, <laughs> you know, one of the top leagues in Europe. I think that's probably a nice way of putting it. Um, but come back to the Premier League now, shown what's he there, three years, um, and shown that, you know, he literally has learned his craft from the get-go and, and knows how to run a squad, knows exactly what he needs out of his players. You know, it's not. Darren, I know you're very uh, analytical when it comes to this stuff as well, and it's true. It's not just about you know, what players you pick on a Saturday or a Wednesday or whatever day you're, you're doing it. It's about knowing the club, knowing your players, knowing exactly what you need to get out of them. And I think Gerrard's went in there and obviously could be the new manager bounce, you know. You know but so far, so good for me anyway. 
and uh, it'll be an interesting one, yeah, with, with, with him going back to Anfield, leading out a different team, albeit as a manager. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's going to be very interesting. Um, don't want to touch too long on the Liverpool game. I know we created a bunch of chances and stuff like that, and I know Wolves had one or two as well, but Origi came on, of course, with a last gasp in the 94th minute, but... Now, sometimes you got to earn your win that way, and we know Wolves are physical and stuff like that. But I do want to touch on some information that came out this week about Mo Salah's contract renewal, um, which I said I'd put to you guys for a conversational piece. One was the mm-hmm. renewal. The renewal hinges on what came out this week was the ambition of the club, the thoughts of the manager, and potential incomings. And on top of that, obviously, he admitted as well, obviously, the financial value. Like, he wants his value to be recognised as probably the best player in the world at the moment, um, arguably. Um, but I, I, the one that I was interested in most in this was the potential incomings. So the ambition of FSG, he was basically calling out there. And two, the thoughts of the manager which I thought was a really good one. I know, Darren, you've mentioned before a number of times with Jurgen Klopp that he's the star at Liverpool and everything stems from him. And I wonder when he was talking about the yeah. thoughts of the manager, was it, was it was, did he want to know where the manager's head was and what his future plans were? Was he going to stay and extend his contract before Salah committed? And um, it was just very interesting to hear those comments. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, I think, you know, you you obviously, you know about the situation with Van Persie when he signed for United and he signed that that deal and, you know, he won the league the first season with Ferguson then all of a sudden Ferguson left and Van Persie was kind of like, what's going on here? You know, you signed me up for three years here. You said we do this together and all of a sudden you're jumping ship. What's the story? Very, very let down, you know. Um, And I think that's something that Salah's obviously guarding against Maybe he feels similarly to I do that, you know, the the catalyst to all of this at Liverpool is Jurgen Klopp. And, you know, maybe he doesn't feel like with the guys around them that, you know, under a different... Tell him, listen, we're going we're gonna to put our hands in the... In the here and get you out a few quid to keep this going because the squad is treadbare at times, you know, it really is um, something we've spoken about before and um, he wants to see that that squad addressed, I'm sure, he wants to hear Klopp is going to be there for, for the, certainly for the medium term anyway um, and then again he wants to he wants to see how much they, they believe in him and, and, and at what level they, they rate him as well I suppose because it's very difficult like if, if you're if you're looking at yourself as as Mohamed Salah at the minute, and you're saying, well, listen, I'm, I'm the best player in the world. And, like, we can argue all day long whether he is or whether he isn't. He's absolutely earned the right to be in the conversation, you know? So for him to be in that conversation, if you're talking about, you know, other players, you're talking about the Messi, the Ronaldos, the Kylian Mbappes, you know, you're talking about the, the Paul Pogba's, all these guys who are on big, big money. Not necessarily the best player, but big, big money. He wants his value to be reflected on, on what they get, you know? And, I mean, Liverpool is a club, I know, of a wage structure and stuff like that. But when you're talking about somebody as important as Mohamed Salah, I don't know whether your wage structure is is a valid reference point, you know? Because he's just... And when we look at the league table in Liverpool, City and Chelsea are ahead of everybody, 
you look at Mohamed Salah and he's he's up there ahead of everybody at the minute, isn't he? For me, anyway, you know. Um, I would think so. And, and he he fully deserves if if he feels it's four hundred a week, if he feels five hundred a week, and and you know he feels like that's what his worth is. It's hard to argue. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it, it's 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 kind of a difficult environment for them, really, isn't it? Because I mean, you also have to weigh up the cost that if you lost them, and how much it would cost you to replace them. You know what I mean? You're you're talking upwards of a hundred to one hundred and fifty million to try and replace them if you can replace a player that's in that kind of vein of form at this stage in his career. Um, but I just I just thought they were interesting points that were raised. I know they weren't points that we probably wouldn't have known ourselves anyway. But it, no. it was an interesting just to get a comment on them and stuff like that. Ian, I, I wanted to go. I to think. You. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, no, no. I, I, I thought I'd wait it out here just to uh, to hear what your boys' thoughts on it were. I, listen, I think once a mercenary, always a mercenary. I mean, this is Liverpool Football Club we're talking about here, right? One of the most supported clubs on the planet, and we're gonna we're gonna literally go. Ah, well, we'll see if we can appease little Mo Salah there. I get it that he's one of the best players, if not the best player on the planet. But you're telling me he's going to hold the club up to his demands? Really? Well, this, well, this is the issue like, at the moment. He's not really holding the club up, and that's where we're at. An no, but at he's moment. sowing the seeds of it, though. Yeah. Sowing the seeds of the negotiations, though. That's that's what I'm getting from this. I'm not willing to uh, throw the guy under the bus just yet. Well, However, it's definitely the sowing of seeds that potentially lead... Those hard conversations, you know, in the summer. Um, look, what's he got left on his contract? Two years, is it? Yeah. Two years. Um, I mean, look, it, it's going to be one of those situations. Um, you know, and I think he's using it to his advantage too, because don't forget, it's not necessarily just him anymore. When we're talking about these footballers, we're talking about the agents as well, who are very, very... Um, influential in these decisions so his agent knows exactly what's going on at that club knows exactly what way the fanfare is looking at FSG and all that stuff and that's him telling Mo to call shots out um, I'll be honest with you if I was a Liverpool fan I'd be a little bit fucking ticked off hearing him come out with these they're semi demands you know what I mean it's like, the, well, this but, this but, needs to happen. But there is there is a, a, there is a medium ground, isn't there? I mean, there is a justification for some of it. I mean, when you're at his level, well, there is. But what, what he's doing point. though, what he is doing though, at the moment, is putting himself in the shop window too. He's letting other clubs know that, yeah, listen, you can. Yeah, but the, but but, but the shop but the shop window at the moment for a player of his level isn't a very good environment at the moment. When you think of all the clubs that are struggling, who would normally be sued? No, but you'll get some player. Yeah, but I just yeah. I, I just I just wonder at the moment is it, it is a case of I, I wonder is there a certain level of disappointment in the ambition that the club has shown in terms of we spoke about signings and Darren has spoke about the the squad at times being very thin. And maybe the disappointment of last season when we picked up those injuries and the season was a struggle and, you know, we didn't really put in places the pieces that we needed to put in place to build on the success of what we've done in terms of the league and the Champions League. And That's I think, fair. And I think some That's of that, fair. I think, is justified from him. I think maybe some sort of a happy ground where you don't totally... Now, I know he's had a couple of offers already and they're decent offers and they have smashed the wage structure already with these offers. 
But I wonder for a guy of that level, can you put him on a contract that's a certain level in terms of needing some wage increase, but also some sort of a heavy-weighted bonus structure um, in terms of success? And maybe that's where the talks of the manager, potential incomings, and the ambition of the club. Because if you think of the four points that he raised, the four points that are raised there, they're all linked. Every one of them are linked. Because if you think about potential incomings, shown ambition, you know, the thoughts of the manager, you know what I mean? If they if they don't give him money to spend and, you know, bring in a certain level and a quality of player that he wants and stuff like that, is he going to want to re-sign? Is Salah going to want to commit his whole career to Liverpool now if Klopp doesn't re-sign and who would come in? As Darren said, Klopp is really the star there. So when he goes, you know, who do we get in? You know what I mean? This is the- Well, let me, let me put something to Darren there then and play devil's advocate a little bit, right? Does Mo Salah, like, and we know this as well, well with, with, with our clubs, um, very, very rare, a footballer really cares about a club much anymore. Let's be real. You know what I mean? Let's get that out of our head that Mo Salah's a lad just from down the road in Merseyside. Because Liverpool fans used to do that with Torres. Oh, he left us and he's one of our own. It's like, no, he's from Madrid. This lad's from Egypt. You know what I mean? These lads are fucking in it for themselves. They are Mayfainers to, to choose one of our own puns. Is he not now just using the current situation as a potential kind of fucking bargaining chip, especially if he's coming out, of, out with it in public to kind of put pressure on that? You know, just, let's be real. If he gets offered 500 grand a week from Real Madrid and he's only getting 300 from Liverpool, do you think he really cares what fucking what what what, what way the squad is bolstered? Because we've seen it time and time again with players that we thought are in it for their club and the love of their clubs. We've seen it and then they're gone. So that's that's just a question I want to put to you as well. And I'm not accusing Mo Salah of that. I'm not mm. saying that because it, I could be proven wrong. But I'm just like I'm just trying to play devil's advocate a little bit. Well, I suppose club ambition and love are two very different things. I mean, if he doesn't say yeah. that, like like we've often spoken about Harry Kane, how he wanted out of Spurs because he wanted ambition to go and win silverware. You know what I mean? I'm sure with Mo Salah, mm-hmm. he's getting involved in this conversation now of, of this GOAT conversation with Terry Henry and all players like this and all. But he still needs to add probably another couple of leagues or maybe another Champions League and stuff like that and all this kind of thing. And I yeah. think I think if... You know, if FSG were to go into this summer, like what they did last summer, where they only signed Kanate, they're not really showing the ambition to match the player. And I don't think I don't think that's necessarily playing a card. I think with Mo Salah, I think there's a certain honesty to him in terms of it. And I think a lot of what's coming out at the moment is maybe he just wants it to be fucking done. And he just wants but every to fan has going. said that, though, Noel. Every fan has said that. I mean, don't I know? And, and listen, I'm going to correct you there. People said that Liverpool fans said that about Torres. Yeah, no, but, no, yeah, but what I'm, yeah, yeah, but what I'm, yeah, but what I'm saying to you at the moment with the Torres situation, he's seen that as being a better opportunity that was available to him and stuff like that. So he went. You know what I mean? What I'm saying to you at the moment is, if you look at Real Madrid. Is Real Madrid a better opportunity at the moment than Liverpool under your no, club? No. No. Is Barcelona? No. no. 
Is PSG, when you look at Messi after going in there and what's going on and stuff like that, is it really a better opportunity? Does he want to go in there and play second fiddle to those guys? No. So, like, there's not there's not a lot of options to him at the moment in terms of him playing a card to the market. So that's why I'm thinking there's a certain thing about it where he understands his value. The club has to figure out how that value fits into their wage structure and what way they can put a contract together. And I think he really wants the club to really show proper ambition. Um, and that's been frustrating from the fan base. If you look at the start of the season, they were going crazy, even though we did a lot of renewals and we renewed all the spine of the team out for five and six years and stuff like that, which in, in some respects showed a certain amount of ambition. I agree. But I just think I just think he's putting it out there because I think he's trying to force. There's a lot of information out there in the market about FSG at the moment. They're doing really well on a lot of deals and they're bringing in a lot of money and stuff like that. And maybe he's trying to force the hand to say, well, where does myself and my career progression and Liverpool as a club's progression fit in the bigger scheme of Fenway Sports? And I think maybe he's calling them on that. That's how I look at it anyway. Darren? Yeah, I, I'd, I'd agree with most of that. I think um, absolutely I agree about, you know, the bargaining chip and what's a better prospect than Liverpool at the minute. Um, I don't think he makes the move to City, personally. Um, and other than maybe City and, and being in the shake-up for, again, league titles and Champions Leagues, I don't see a lot of other options out there. Chelsea. I don't believe... No, I, going to finish. I don't believe he'd go back to Chelsea. No, um, I'm joking, you know, of course. No, no, no. But well, listen, it's a viable option. No, they're the only I don't two think teams would. that would fulfill. Yeah, I guess. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you know, other than that, like you're looking at, you know, as you said, European giants, they're, they're asleep at the minute. They're sleeping giants: yeah. Barcelona and Real Madrid, Inter Milan, Juventus, and yes. um, Bayern Munich. As big as they are, they're not going to pay the type of money that Mohamed Salah is looking for. Um, yes, they'll he'll compete for German titles and German cups and. Champions Leagues and stuff like that, but he, he you know, he the financial end of things in Germany won't be anything near what they'd be in England. And I do believe it, it gets to a point where you know ambition has to be the main point you're looking for because again, as Ian mentioned, if you're on three fifty a week or you're on five hundred a week, what's the difference? Do you know what I mean? Now it's all good me and you sitting here saying what's the difference? One hundred fifty grand. When you're at that level, because don't forget, this is their basic salary. This isn't their goal bonuses. This isn't their win bonuses. This isn't all the sponsorship the is. They've got yeah. Coke, Pepsi, and Adidas, and so this is a money making machine, you know. But but I do think if you want to put yourself up there, and if you want to be mentioned in the same name or in the same breath as as some of the players you've talked about, you know, there there comes a time when people go, let's see what's in your cabinet, you know. And if you can't back it up with with medals and with trophies, then the conversation goes a little bit, it kind of peters out a little bit, doesn't it? Um, and I do think he's probably saying to FSG, listen, I'll stay and I'll be part of this, but I want to know that A, the gaffer is staying and he's part of it, and B, you guys are going to pony up and we need to fill positions here, there, and wherever on this, on this, in this team, you know, on this squad. And that's a fair cop. Yeah, because I think it's his last big, it's a last big contract case to be well. made. I was going to say, do you think there's a case to be made that managers now understand the influence of media and understand you know where they have a good relationship with a player like I'm sure Klopp has with, with, with Mo Salah um, that they they do encourage them to go out and kind of almost act on their behalf a little bit 
Do you know what I mean? In a subtle way, because quite clearly, you know, Salah knows oh. that Klopp is oh. his guy. He's brought stability to his career because he certainly didn't have the career he had before he came to Liverpool. Um, you know, we all saw the potential in him, but he never had that stability. And I wonder, I just wonder a little bit if it's a thing that the likes of a Klopp will say, well, you know, maybe maybe let that out a little bit. You know what I mean? Don't do my bit. Yeah. Maybe the manager's frustrated with the situation. I can, I, mean. I can only imagine he's frustrated at what's gone on there. You know, over the last Liverpool are three into, injuries away. Liverpool are three injuries away from being in a situation that would let Chelsea and City run away with it. Like, I mean, you talked about the injuries with Chelsea there at the start, though. Mm. <laughs> now we're seeing that we have the squad, yeah. Mm. Albeit not getting great results, but it's not a it's not a worry either. It's not like oh shit, Chelsea all of a sudden are are gone or on the downward slide. But if that happened to a couple of Liverpool players. Like it did last year. Hmm. Well, we'll we'll now we'll now come January. We'll now come January. Yeah, and they yeah. always head after the after. So maybe this is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it is. It is an interesting kind of way to look at it. That you know, if the if Mo Salah's coming out saying, "Right, lads, you just need to step up. You, you want to get me because I need to know that my manager is going to be backed, and I also need to know that." And I'm going to be rewarded financially, which I think is absolutely fine. I have no problem with players demanding whatever they feel that they're worth. I don't. Not in the modern age. Um, they, they're the ones that bring the money in. Do you know what I mean? So that's just. I'm not, I've no problem with it once they're not being absolutely yes. deluded on the boys, yes, exactly. which he, which he's not. You know, he's in the no, upper echelons of world football. No. On the pitch, he should be in the upper echelons of world football. From a financial point of view, and that's well. Look, if he, you know, Lionel, if Lionel Messi is getting paid five hundred grand a week at the moment, or whatever it is, six hundred grand, seven hundred grand a week. If you're telling me Mo Salah isn't worth four hundred grand a week, well, then there's something wrong there. In my in my book, anyway, yeah, because he he's he is the best player in the world at the moment. And and, I don't think there is a. And if if FSG can sell it to sell it to Salah and say, listen, we we financially don't have the clout that a PSG have. We financially don't have, you know, what they can offer you. However, we can guarantee you we will compete with them based on the fact we've got this guy in charge and we can we can supplement the squad with this, this and this. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, then, then it might be enough to, to get them to sign oh, on the line. Old school bone structure, you know what I mean? Like if... If we fulfil our commitments to you in our contract negotiations within the year or two's time, you know, I know that's done a lot in the past and they've kind of been sway merchants, you know what I mean? Yeah, don't worry, we'll sort you out with that and then it doesn't happen, but they get them yeah. to sign the dotted line, they're there for two years. But I think if, if, if they could do that, based on what Darren was saying, mm. they could probably get it over the line. But I mean, I think they would almost... And that that's why I just thought I'd bring up the idea of Klopp yeah. possibly using some of his players now as a because that's what he needs to see, right? To stay long term or medium term, as Darren mentioned. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. I just I suppose I suppose from the player's point of view as well, do you want to stay at a club or you know, where you're an absolute superstar and a god and you know, you're on the verge of a statue outside the ground or whatever it is, if not already, 
or do you want to go to a club where you're just another player that's part of a mix of a bunch of other players? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like when we talk about Liverpool Football Club, we talk about Mo Salah and Virgil van Dijk and these players. When you talk about PSG, we can talk about seven or eight players. You know what I mean? Like you look at Messi's gone in there. Messi's gone in there. He was an absolute superstar and a fantastic footballer. But he's in there with Neymar and Mbappe and Verratti and Marquinhos and all these players who are absolutely brilliant players. So you've just gone in there and become another player when you think about it. If you look at the season so far, so far I should say, for Messi at PSG, it's, it's not exactly been the Messi of Barcelona that we knew and loved, kind of. You know what I mean? So it's it's it's, it's an interesting conundrum where you have to make those decisions, you know? Um, and that's at a weaker league as well you know I just wanted to throw that out there because I mean I think I, I know we're not going to get into that I, I just think he's he's been seen for the little kind of rat that he is personally Lionel Messi um, always had the, the little the little boy smile about him and, and I've said this on previous shows as well um, I just I, I, I think Karma's a son of a bitch and I think that's exactly what it is all those fake crocodile tears and all that he put on you know when he was leaving Barcelona, well, why are you leaving then? <laughs> Just lower your demands, motherfucker. Um, whereas I think I look at Salah there and you go, why would you want to leave Liverpool? Listen, mm. you're telling me that I wouldn't like him or Darren wouldn't like him at his team? Of course we would. But mm. we're also fucking football fans and we know that's, that's where you need to be. And yeah, if that's the way, you know, if that's what you need to do to get your ambitions met, and demand that you get certain players that can facilitate your game and kind of make you better and make the team better. All, all power to you. So, yeah. Yeah. A um, couple of more points we just want to touch on this evening anyway. Um, one is the fallout from the Ballon d'Or. Not necessarily um, getting into a conversation about the players, about who should or shouldn't have won it or anything like that. I mean, I think most people on the shows know our thoughts at this stage about who we thought should have won and who shouldn't have been in the mix. But in terms of I wanted to ask Bodie, it's just your comment on, you know, these individual awards in a team environment. Is there a space for that? Does it really exist? You know what I mean? And you see Messi there the other day and he's lying around putting up pictures and he has the seven of them sprawled all over him and, and this kind of thing. But like, how do these individual awards work in terms of a team environment? I mean, he didn't like playing goals pick up the ball himself in defence, pass it to himself in midfield, pass it to himself up front, score the goals and win the matches. You know what I mean? It's a team environment and the team makes him look good. He I thought the best award shit. that they brought out this year, the best award they brought out this year was team of the year and that was Chelsea and I thought that was that was good enough for me. Well, the, the, question, the question for both of you then is, should there be an individual award in terms of a team environment? I mean, at Darren. that level now. I'm not talking about like a golden glove or a, you know, a golden boot or whatever it is. You know what I mean? But I'm talking about at that level. I think so. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think, I think if you know, if you look at the types of guys you're mentioning, you know, um, they these are guys that are all highly, highly driven. You know, these are the guys that are in 15 minutes before everyone else that are half an hour late in the evening staying a little bit later than everyone else these are the extra hours that they put in on the training pitch and that's what gets these guys right to the top of the game 
the the performances on the on the grand stage, not on you know. Listen, your Tuesday night against Stoke is great and well and good, but what do you do in a Champions League semi final? What do you do in a Copa America? What do you do in a World Cup? What do you do in a European Champions? That's that's you know when you're when all that work stands to you most, you know, and and I think it is important for guys like that to have a brass ring for them to to reach for because you know if you don't have that, do the guys go out and do? You know, if you don't have individual honours, is there enough in all of those guys? Let's talk about Ronaldo. Do you think if there was no individual awards in football, Ronaldo would be as good as he is right now? No. I disagree with that. I think he would because I think he's very driven and very competitive as a player and as a person. I think he's very driven, but I think he's very driven to drive himself. You know, I don't, I think he's, he's driving the vehicle with him on the front of it, he's not driving the vehicle with, you know, Man United on it or Real Madrid on it, or he's driving that vehicle as, as much as he can with his face on it, his logo, and it's all very kind of narcissistic, and this is all about him, you know, Um, I believe that anyway, and I don't think if you take something like the Ballon d'Or out, that we get the Ronaldo we've gotten over the last, you know, 10 to 12 years, personally speaking. No, the- I, I think as well, just, just to throw my two in support in there, I think I think Darren's absolutely on the money. I think it's the same way when we look at it in basketball. Darren and myself are big basketball fans. And you look at like LeBron James, you know, and the Michael Jordans of this world. There's an award there for a reason. Do you know what I mean? To show who the best players are. Now, the problem, I, I think maybe we should change the question a little bit. Not to... Not to shit on what you're saying Noel but I'm saying I think change the narrative a little bit and look at how it can be corrupted I think that's where we need to talk about because I don't think Messi having just won a Copa America this year and looking at how his tenure ended with Barcelona warranted that and I know there's this whole shite that some people are saying Messi said he shouldn't have won it yeah come on like it's 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 it's, it's easy after the fact and like I said I've, I've gone yeah, 100%. You know what I mean? It's like, like I said, the little rat that he is, and, and I'm going to call him out every time for that because he is a little rat. Like, And he gets he gets all this adulation constantly about what he is, this, how much of a nice guy he is, and blah, blah, blah. The guy's been getting half a million a week with Barcelona and absolutely rinsed them and then left them when they couldn't you know, meet his demands again and then went to PSG instead of actually going... And giving it a shot at a proper league, you know, like in England, or even even if he had wanted to go to Italy, I don't care. But I just I just think he's um I I, I just think he's I think he's, the the measure of the man is that he accepts that award and thinks that it was justified. I think he's an absolute uh, an absolute weasel, and I think the I think what Darren said to go back to your point. I think there should be an individual award, but it should be based on who was the best player for the team that actually was the best team. Do you know what I mean? Whether that be measured by goals, assists, I don't know. I really don't know. Well, that that's, 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 that, that's, where I was, that's where I was going with it because, I mean, you brought up a good point in terms of the NBA and, you know, an MVP and stuff like that and LeBron and Michael Jordan and stuff like that. It's very clear in those sports you know, maybe Tom Brady as well fits into that with the NFL as well. It's very clear in those sports 
why those players win those awards. And it and it's it's rarely questionable. Like, like, does anyone turn around and think, well, LeBron shouldn't have won that or Michael Jordan shouldn't have won that or Tom Brady shouldn't have won that. It's very clear that they're head and shoulders above everyone else in terms of their performance, stuff like that. In the Ballon d'Or, the Ballon d'Or is kind of like, there's a kind of a shadow to it where they, they bring yes. in more than just that body of work in that period of time. And from that yeah. point of view, then, if you're a player coming in there like, for example, a Jorginho or a Lewandowski or whatever it is, you're coming in and you're already behind in the voting before you even kick a ball. Well, yeah, because if you can score seven goals against Levante in that league and you're judged basically on, on goal home, well, then what are we judging it on then? Are we judging it just solely on the amount of points scored, goals, assists, whatever? Well, are we like I personally think it should be judged on the Champions League alone. I've always said that. It's always been my opinion. I think what you can do in the Champions League because it, it, the one thing about the Champions League is it's like the NBA in that sense. And you'll get what I mean by this, Darren, when I finish the point. Not every same team wins it every year. Like you have to up your game to really fucking get a Champions League win. You know what I mean? Um and I think once you get to that kind of knockout phase, I'm not saying that the, the, the player that wins the Champions League, I'm not, this isn't a case for Jorginho, even though it is, but it's also a case for Lewandowski as well. Like, if, if, if we're judging it on the fact that it's all about goals and achievements within all leagues, well, then Lewandowski wins it, right? Hands down, Lewandowski wins it this year for me. However, if you're looking at it based on the Champions League and what drove it, and then you're bringing in, you know, international football into a do it. Then Jorginho wins hands down because that's what they gave Modric the award for when he won it. So again, I think it's corruption at its finest level. It's like, oh well, Messi happened to get the biggest transfer this year, you know, and, and he left Barcelona. So let's give it to Messi just to make Messi feel good. I don't know. That's what I think. I don't think he gets it on the basis that, you know, it's the biggest transfer. You know, like, he's he's won the Copa America, which is the equivalent of winning the Euros. You know, that's the equivalent. Still the a World lower. Is... No, but that's the equivalent. It's equivalent for that region, yeah. yeah. It's yeah, the equivalent for that, that region. region. It's yeah. not whether it's a different standard or not, but that's the equivalent. So, so with Italy winning one and Giorgino winning one, you know, it falls down and Messi wins his one then. But um, what did he, what, what did he do in, in his own club then? That's what I'm saying. He had his, one of his worst seasons. Yeah, but, and, and this is where I think things are slightly slanted yeah. in the view. Yeah. I feel like that's where, you know, you have guys looking at it and as Niall mentioned, not with the body of work from that particular period. So he's going in with votes in his back pocket before he's kicked a ball last year based on the fact he's won six Ballon d'Ors and he's probably the greatest of all time. So for him to be anywhere near the shake-up, you know, it's like when you go into, when you go into, a, you go into a boxing match, you know, and you're going to face a champion in his own country. If you don't knock him out, you're not leaving with a title. Yeah, that's it. That's a great point. Because you're never, never going to be given a decision whether you've, you know, Look at what Fury did to Wilder in that first fight. It was called a draw. Like, 
you know, he absolutely skilled the kid, you know. Um, so I think that's where maybe there's a lack, you know. <laughs> the other thing I would say is the guys that are, you know, casting votes here as well, we've got to look at their level of credibility, you know, like they're so easily bought in the smaller countries, aren't they? And, and, and it could be such a thing that, you know, the, the manufacturers, the likes of Nike and Adidas can have their can have their say in these things based on the fact that there's so much money to be made from the Ballon d'Or and Messi winning that seventh Ballon d'Or and those boots being an extra 20 euro a pair. And you know what I mean? There's, there's everything's become so much, so commercial that, Nothing would would surprise me at this day and age, you know. Yeah, well, I think our game has become so corrupted. I think you've actually hit the nail on the head there, Darren. To be honest, which I can't disagree with any of that. I think that's what it really comes down to. We're living in a world now where corruption is easily done, but it's like look at the left hand, but don't look at this hand. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, the the FA representative in Guadeloupe said that he felt Messi was the the best. Do you know what I mean? Like, come on, for fuck's sake, like. It's, yeah, it's, I think, it's ridiculous. I, I suppose you think with a, with a, with an award like this, you would think that it would be voted on by your peers, and not not by media and news and reporters and all that kind of thing. It's it's so strange the way it's contrived and put together and stuff like that. Whereas you would think about it if if you're a top player in the world, let's say it is Messi, and you're voted on by Ronaldo and Neymar and Mbappe and Jorginho and all these players. That should mean it should so always be that way. It should always be yeah. that You know Absolutely. that you said right, you, you both know, you guys both know I am a fucking diehard um NHL fan, right? And I think it's it's the only league that still has not really been corrupted so far as that all the awards they have awards for individual things, you know what I mean? So they'll have awards for the best defenseman who demonstrates the best attacking ability within the season. They'll have like an award for, you know, the most most outstanding player within the Stanley Cup in the knockout phase. Similar, Darren, to you know, to the NBA, and then they'll have an award. But like the the main one is voted on by the coaches, so coaches vote on that, and they can't vote for their own. So they so you think you know Wayne Gretzky, he was the best player that year. The only way that gets to the fucking dance is if yeah. the votes are in there from the coaches. Do you know what I mean? And I think that's really where it goes. So I think you're right. There's a little bit of darkness, as in like who's lurking in the shadows here, making these votes and making these decisions. And I think, to be honest with you, this year, it showed that it was a crock of shit. And you see him sitting there with his little suit, little midget heading him, just going, ha ha, grand, I won it again. And you're going, man, you've done nothing this year for your own club. You can't even fucking make it in France at the moment. Ask my bollocks, you Argentinian fraud. You know, he's going down the same route. He may as well just get the bag of coke out and, and start being fucking Maradona now at this stage. That's all I'd say about that. Jesus. <laughs> Don't hold back anyway. Um, I, wa- yeah. I wanted to finish on one point. What? <laughs> Because obviously um, we're running out of time, so I'll skip a couple as these shows tend to go on. But uh, women's international football there during the week, uh, we were about we were all messaging each other on the WhatsApp group. England winning twenty nil and Ireland winning eleven nil, and I I just thought, 
with all the celebration of the Fiore of this that was going on and stuff like that, personally, I thought it was disgusting. I just thought this was... Can Darren take this one for me, please? Because yeah. I'm I, already I, at I, making I, controversial statements. Yeah, I, I just thought this was kind of disgraceful. I thought, like, in terms of seeding and in terms of a spectacle and in terms of stuff like that, I just thought, you know, everyone was... You know, some people were celebrating this and I was going, you know, to go out and slap up a team 20 nil. I think it's disgusting. I think it shows a problem in the system. Like, yeah. you wouldn't you wouldn't allow that to be done to a kids team on a Sunday morning, let alone an international team where they're desecrating their country's name, getting absolutely tumped. Can you imagine the abuse those women had to take going back to Lithuania? It was sorry, Latvia, wasn't it? Latvia, Can you imagine the abuse those ladies had to take going back to Latvia? You know, a proud country and going back and going, sorry about that, lads, we got slapped up 20 nil. Give us a break, will you? I'd say there's a couple of them doing well to be believed, mate. Now, the gaff this week after people got their hands on them. Um, like, unbelievable. And and just don't get me started on the standard. I could get two Labradors out the back garden and they'd have a better game of football than somebody is. It's absolutely shocking altogether. Like, shocking. Did you see the early game? Did you yeah. actually watch any of the early game? I watched I watched the uh, the extended highlights. Yeah, Darren, I can back you up on that one. Pitiful! It was absolutely pitiful. At one stage, I wondered, "Am I watching the fucking CRC play St Michael's House?" Because it was unbelievable the standard of football, <laughs> and for them to put it on the TV and say, "Here, watch this, girls. You too can be one of these." What are you joking me? Has someone taken the piss out of me here? Now, really? Oh my God! It was. Oh, stop the lights, lads! Will you please? Well, the comments, the comments, just just to keep you going there, Darren. The comments that were made after the games and in the analysis on the days after it, where that it just goes to show how much that game has come on, and in terms of the development of these teams, as in England and Ireland. And I was there going, you're after slapping up two teams that looked like they were thrown together two minutes before the game who were over on holidays and just met up or something like that. And you're talking about how your own structures have developed when you're, going out, when you're going out slapping up these teams that are absolutely nothing. And it was like, I, I know in our league, in our league with the lads when we play, if you win more than 5-0, only 5-0 is counted. It's just like, you know, you could win 10-0, but you only get 5. You're you have to leave a little bit of respect for the kids. And you know what I mean? And it's the same with, like, oh, yeah, I agree with Darren's point 100%. I think, you know, that, that's a proud nation going back. And they probably don't have the, you know, uh, I suppose the, the facilities or whatever that we have. You know, we're going beating post women at, uh, at this point. Um, it's it's we're, we're a country, that, we're a country with, with massive, with, with a massive financial yeah. uh, advantage well, over the likes of. Latvia and Georgia and you know when it gets to that stage football shouldn't as we know just be about money especially not at a certain level um, and and that that was just it was horrific it really isn't, isn't was it the same thing Darren I'd like us to have a conversation about this one day Noel I got, I got crucified back in the day when Roy, Robbie Keane should I say got the most goals I watched that man put 20 away against postmen. And that's a fact. Do you know, the Faroe Islands, where they said the only professional footballer was one 
on the team. You know, and that's how Ireland makes themselves feel better about their football. That's how the FAOI makes themselves feel about better feel better about their football. And they're like, no, nah, not really. Because look at it, we haven't made a fucking European Cup or sorry, Euros or a, a World Cup at all in the last when's the last one we made? Couple of years ago now, Robbie Brady, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, the yeah. winner against Italy. Hundred percent. So this little narcissistic shit when the FAO do it very very strategically as well to get fans on side. Oh, the women, because they made sure that it was all over social media and it was all over the radio. Ireland women won eleven nil. Like, yeah, it's the same thing. Robbie Keane couldn't buy a goal against the top team in his last say six to eight years of his tenureship with with team and in, in turn in my opinion stopped uh, Shane Long's growth because there was a boy who had fucking pace and could run and scored a banger against Germany which we all remember you know what I mean and comes on as a substitute but oh no Robbie Keane's got to play you know this is a lad who had a dream to play for uh, like Galaxy Never in, fairness, in fairness though if I had Robbie Keane on crutches and Shane Long I'd play Robbie Keane force man Shane Long wouldn't hit a barn door with a banjo. Yeah, well, I tell you though, he, he he scored against bigger teams though. In, in he his, he did later years. He did. I'm trying to say, he absolutely did. Look at the two records; they're non-comparable, especially in international they are, football. Because if we're only going to if we're going to take out the goals against the Pharaohs, what's Ronaldo left with? What's what's Messi left with? You know what I mean? Like you can't just cherry pick. The goals oh, right. then, but no, but it, no, but I look at okay. What I will do then is tell me the most amount of goals that Robbie Keane has scored in a Premier League season. It's, I'd say, easily double what Shane Long's ever scored. No, no, fair enough. But what is the most? Oh, 22, probably something like that. One season in his whole career, yeah. In the in the best league in the world, sorry. Look at it, look what he's done yeah. in the Premier League. He had long so was, in the Premier League, you know. Yeah, so he's not this international phenom that people like to fucking think that he is. Do you know what I mean? And I'm I'm sorry to say, um, but look, that's uh, that's a little bit of controversy there now. If you if he was doing keep you ups out in the back garden, I'd watch before them women. Oh yeah, I'm with you every day. The point the point that I was making it was the same. It's about the FAI. It's not about Robbie Keane. Listen, Robbie Keane is a fantastic player. I loved Robbie Keane when he came on the scene. Loved him. I'm not saying it's not a personal attack on Robbie Keane. What I, what I am saying is he literally, or the FAI have this way of masking problems. Well, we got a superstar. We got a result against this. Do you know what I mean? They're, they're the most, I'm going to call it out. And Noel knows exactly what it is because my dad also worked with, the, uh, with, with some of the kids. They're the most corrupt organization. They put no money into grassroots, and that's why Ireland isn't a problem. So now, this why Ireland isn't a, you know, up there with the likes of the Welsh and the Northern Ireland teams and the Scottish teams even. Imagine Northern Ireland are now usurped us purely because the FAI don't really have a fucking clue I want to put a programme on place. Hmm. So... Anyway, no. Yeah, I think I just think the conversation was more about looking at the seeding system and whether whether teams should be seeded in such a way to be given a kind of an equal opportunity in terms of trying to those. Yeah, go ahead. 
those Latvian girls and those Georgian girls shouldn't be in the same stadium as the Irish and English girls. No. Shouldn't even in the same stadium. And that's no. your point. You know, um, like th- that, those groups are horrific to put them through that. Stupid. Now, I'm saying that I, I did hear that nobody had beaten them by more than three until Ireland beat them by 11. So they weren't necessarily the whipping boys at that stage, albeit they were bottom of the group. They hadn't conceded any more than three. But looking at the defending, Jesus, I'm finding that hard to believe of him, honestly. Yeah, they must have played. Um, they must have played the fucking Bobcats in the alley that week. It was. It was hard. It was, it was a tough watch. Yeah, it really was. Like. Um, well, as always, <laughs> man, an absolute pleasure getting your thoughts on all these topics. I do have a way of picking them at times. As always, head over to YouTube, Dynamo <laughs> Podcast Network. Spotify for audio versions of the show. This has been your Monday mashup. Cheers, boys.